Life isn't pink fluffy unicorns dancing on rainbows. In fact, studies show that our kids, especially our daughters, are more stressed than ever. Schoolwork, friendships, relationships, social media, our expectations, their own expectations. It all contributes to their stress. There's good news though. We can help our daughters who often feel under pressure. Becoming better parents, partners, and people. This is the Positively Dad Podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm James Shaw, host of Positively Dad. I'm excited that you've joined us today. My wife, Terry, and I are the proud parents of a very soon-to-be eight-year-old girl. Her name's Naomi. In fact, she's going to join us at the end of the show today for the Kids' Corner. And I started Positively Dad a year ago, right now. Yes, it's our one-year anniversary, and my goal is to be a resource for dads. It's been an amazing year, and I want to thank you for supporting our mission of becoming better parents, partners, and people. This is episode number 53 of our Monday series. We do two a week. This is the episode where I talk with an expert about something that's going to help us and our families. And on Thursdays, I talk to a dad about being a dad. We call those dad talks, so you want to listen for those. Now, today's an important one, especially for all the girl dads, because our daughters are stressed out. The research says that the number of girls who feel nervous, worried, or fearful is up 55% in the last decade. It's really unchanged in boys. Our guest today wants to help. Her name's Dr. Lisa Damore, and she's written several books. The most recent is Under Pressure, and she looks at stress that our daughters are experiencing and and shows us how we can help. And it's an important thing to understand about stress, right? Not all stress is bad. Some's actually good. And and, and some stress can help us grow, can help us improve, can, can help us strive for more. Yet too much stress can shut us down. So how do we know the difference? How do we know when is a time that, that the stress is actually shutting them down? And when's a time that our daughters are experiencing some kind of stress that actually is helping them grow and get better? And how can we talk with them about it? That's what we're going to look at today. The different types of stress and how we as dads can support our girls. So let's get started. Dr. Demore, thanks so much for joining us on Positively Dad. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. You got it. And you've got two very popular books out and um, d- just really helping parents you know, work with their teenagers. So tell us real quick about the two books and then we'll jump in and talk about them. Sure. So Untangled and then the subheading is Guiding Teenage Girls Through the Seven Transitions into Adulthood, published four years ago. And that's a book about normal adolescent development. It covers roughly ages 10, 11 to 18, 19, and really walks through the kind of what to expect when you're expecting a teenager um, of having a teenage girl. And then Under Pressure, which published a year ago, is a, has the subtitle of Confronting the Epidemic of Stress and Anxiety in Girls. And it's designed to help parents feel equipped to buffer their girls from stress and anxiety and also to react and respond very effectively when their daughters are stressed and anxious in order to help their daughters feel much more in control than girls sometimes do. Well, and these are important subjects for dads. In fact, you were telling me earlier that, you, I mean, dads are some of your biggest readers just because of this desire to connect with their teenage girls. I've got an eight-year-old girl, so we're good. And in a couple of years, though, it might get a little bit weird. Well, I think what happens, and this is just my um, speculation, but I I know that dads are as devoted to their kids as any mother is. 
And, and I think there's a couple of points, especially with girls, where they may feel a little bit pushed to the side. So with all children, um, if the family, if they have a biological child, I sometimes wondered, and I've thought a lot about like how hard it must be da for dads during the pregnancy, you know, when they're so deeply invested in that child and, and what's going to happen with that child. And that just by nature of the biology of things, they're just sort of a little bit a step removed, you know, and then... I think, you know, the baby comes if, you know, if, if it's a baby uh, when the child enters the family and uh, dads are all in, you know, they're hundred percent there and they're, they're just, you know, fantastically engaged. And then I think for girls in particular around age 11 or so, um, when adolescence begins, girls can become more inscrutable to dads, um, harder to know how to connect with them, a little less sure about what's going on. And my sense in these moments is that often the mother, consciously or unconsciously, kind of feels like she gets it, mm. remembers well, that in her there, own right? adolescence. So she can yeah, jump in and kind help of has, right. yeah, has sort of something that she's working with, doesn't find it so strange. Whereas my sense is that dads often feel really kind of shoved to the margin and now unsure of how to engage. And um, the feedback I've gotten about Untangled in particular is that it felt like it gave dads an understanding of what was happening and then how to enter in successfully. And so, um, though I've got many lovely, lots of kind feedback about that book, um, I would say the most fervent has come from dads. Um, I was recently in uh, California and a woman said to me, she's like, all right, I have to tell you this. My husband keeps a case of Untangled in his car and when he meets a man with a daughter, he shoves the book on him. Wow. Like he, he gives them a copy of the book. And and I that's the most outer limit um devotion I've heard. But I haven't heard those kinds of things from moms, but from dads, wow. I've heard those sorts of things. So yeah, and then with un under pressure, um, even though none of the content overlaps, under pressure, like untangled and like everything I do is about how to stay connected to your kid. You know, no matter what I'm doing, I'm talking about maintaining and a good working relationship. And so under pressure actually covers really from elementary school through college, that content and under pressure is totally relevant to a six-year-old. And also some of the later content is totally relevant to, you know, a 23-year-old. And so again, um, the goal for me always in my work is to try to be a translator, to say to kids, hey, kiddos, this is what's going on for your folks. You know, here's how you want to understand it. And to say to parents, hey, adults, this is what's happening inside your child. So when you're feeling like you're not sure what to do or what's going on, if you understand the processes that are underway, you can then enter this in a more useful way. And so I'm not surprised to hear that with under pressure, um, that parents and maybe dads also feel like it gives them a route in, um, especially in moments when things feel really hard or heightened yeah. or a girl feels especially upset. Yeah. What I appreciated about that book uh, is that I think you're right. I have an eight-year-old and she gets anxious and nervous and concerned and worried about things. And, and you you talk a little bit in there that I've got 42 years worth of experience to look and go like, eventually you actually will know how to spell that word. So the fact mm -hmm. that you don't get it right the first time right now, it's not a big deal. And for my eight-year-old, this is massive, right? She's, she's never going to be able to spell and that sort of thing. And you give, that's a silly little example for my world. And yet you give so many examples of stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm curious about then, as you look at that, how can dads really help relate to their kids and kind of get inside their brain so they dads can have the perspective of what their kids are experiencing? Well, there's a couple ways to think about it. Um, 
One is that we have some research showing differences in the relationship between dads and daughters versus moms and daughters. Mm -hmm. um, this becomes more true as girls move into adolescence, but I think it's got some early versions also. And what we see when we look in broad strokes, and of course in any one family, this might not be how it goes, but in broad strokes, is that the relationship between moms and daughters is often a bit more intense than the relationship between dads and daughters. And this is true both in terms of positive intensity, maybe cuddling and playing and, you know, doing hair and stuff like that. And also in terms of combustibility mm. that um, moms and daughters can get into it in some pretty hot ways sometimes. Whereas dads enjoy, and I, and I use that for carefully, a neutral role. And so in terms of where dads enter into this, you know, one of the things I would say is maybe dads miss the kind of close intimacy that they may be seen between their daughter and their, their wife or their partner. But that neutrality is powerful. And for dads to be able to um, not maybe be as reactive or for girls to not be as reactive to their dads. Um, I have two daughters and I remember there was a phase when my older daughter was, um, you know, maybe a 10, 11, 12, 13, where I would say to my husband, you need to tell her to do, 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 you know, whatever. Mm. Because I knew if I said it, she would get really, really annoyed with me. But if he said it, she wouldn't mind it so much. So that's an incredibly valuable role that we see dads play. The place where I think dads in general, but also parents in general, can do better is their urge to problem solve. And um, it is so often the case that when a kid comes forward with a problem, like your daughter gives the example, like, I'm never going to learn to spell this, mm -hmm. right. that um, that our our instinct as a parent is we just start firing off solutions. You know, we just start throwing solutions at them and they're great solutions and they're well-meaning. And, you know, we think it's going to be so useful. And that often our experience is that our kid is really annoyed by this. You know, mm. that we've got all these great ideas and they're rejecting them one at a time. I think one of the things I've really worked to help think through for families, I'm actually going to pause. I need to go get some water. Sorry. Yeah, don't worry. Take your time. No problem. <laughs> One of the things that I've really worked to help adults think through is how to respond when their child comes forward with a problem. And there's a pretty simple formula that works extremely well, which is first to just listen, to just mm -hmm. let the child dump it all out, say what she or he needs to say, and see if just creating that space for the child to unload it all, to throw it all on the table, see if that alone doesn't help the kid feel better. And what's amazing is how often that's the case. They're just saying it all and the parent going, uh-huh, 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 mm -hmm. provides relief. If that hasn't given enough relief, then the second step I'd love for parents to go to would just be to provide empathy, to say, oh, man, that stinks. You know, I'm so sorry to hear that. That often is as much as the kid came for or needed or wanted if that doesn't work, I think it can be helpful for parents to say something validating, like, yeah, anyone in your shoes would be upset or you're having the right reaction. And I think especially when we get into questions of stress and anxiety, as I did in Under Pressure, the culture has given stress and anxiety such a bad name that in a way that does not match with what psychologists know about stress and anxiety, we see these as a normal aspect of daily living. 
So sometimes when kids are really stressed or anxious or upset, they're left feeling like I'm having the wrong reaction. Like I shouldn't be upset. I shouldn't get upset. And so for an adult to say, yeah, anyone in your shoes would be upset or anyone in your shoes would be nervous about this big test that's coming at you. Seems like it wouldn't help, but actually is intensely helpful. If that doesn't work or if it's not enough still, then I think we can sort of help with coping. Just say like, well, what, what do you think might help you feel better here? Or is there anything that I can do that won't make this feel worse? And just to really move slowly, you may eventually get to offering to help solve the problem. You might yeah. say, I've got a couple ideas. Would mm -hmm. you want to think this through together? But I don't want to get there until there has been listening and then empathy and then validation. And then how can I support coping? And then maybe a vote of confidence like, look, this is super hard. I think you can do it. You know, I think kids really need to hear that. They want to hear that. And where parents in general, and I'm going to make a gender stereotype, perhaps dads in particular can get themselves into trouble, is they jump right to the problem yeah. solving and throw in solutions. And that doesn't matter how good the solutions are, it doesn't matter how informed or wise, if that's not what the kid came for, or the kid hasn't felt heard out, they're not as helpful as they should be. Well, and that's something I loved from the book. In fact, you brought up the phrase, that stinks. And and that you're purposeful about that phrase. And as people read the book, they can see that. That that was, I mean, you found that that particular phrase in itself really connected. And it did show that you were that you were empathetic to them. And so um, I guess the aha is, isn't this exactly what really every person would want when you come with a problem? Is that they first want to be heard. Then they want to feel like you understand what they're feeling and agree with it. And then help them move forward when I think it's pretty common. We want to just solve everything. Absolutely. I um, I would say the formula I just laid out is a generic human formula. Yeah. <laughs> that when someone comes to you with a problem, if you can just sit and listen and empathize and validate and send a vote of confidence, there is so much good done by that. And by that, I mean the person is not alone. The person feels that we feel that they can do this. The person feels that they're having the right reaction. I mean, there's all of this good work that gets done in what looks like nothing. Yeah. And then if still they want support on solving the problem, we can offer it. But I think we go there because we feel like, oh, I'm supposed to do something. This is me doing something. And we underestimate the power of supporting, listening, right. vote of confidence, empathy, all of that. Um, that is doing something. And that's usually doing what they really would rather you do. Well, you gave an example of a young lady that was going to take a chemistry test and she was nervous about the chemistry test. And just, you know, your interaction with her of going, yeah, gosh, that does stink. You know, you're, and, and just, you know, what could we do? And she gave a, a solution. I don't want to give it all away. And yet her energy, just her whole nervousness came down completely and everything was fine, right? I mean, that's in, in, ends up what happening most of the time is it all works out. It does. And, and I really don't think we can understate how problematic it is that there is such a bad rap for stress and anxiety in the yeah. culture right now. Yeah. That um, we've come to a place where people talk about all stress as though it's harmful and toxic and you want to get rid of it and you shouldn't have it and you, don't, you know it's bad for you and they talk about all anxiety in the same way and this is 
both inaccurate and I think actually problematic because mm -hmm. kids get that messaging and then they get stressed and then they get stressed about being stressed mm -hmm. um, or anxious and then anxious about being anxious. And so when I say to kids, look, you are supposed to be stressed. Sophomore year is a doozy. You know, yep. you're supposed to be anxious. That sounds like a really big expectation. The paradoxical response is kids feel much better, like yeah. much better instantly. And and I just can't um, I can't do enough, I feel like, to try to get that message across that normalizing these experiences helps kids tremendously. Isn't there some level of stress that's good for you? I mean, doesn't stress yeah. just mean, hey, I'm learning something new. I'm, I'm something different's happening in my world. And anytime you learn something new, you're going to have some stress, right? Psychologists are great with stress. We actually are good with 99% of stress. And there's a few reasons. One is it's a given in life. Anytime you are doing anything new, growing, stretching, changing, trying, you will experience that as stressful. If you are adapting to any new condition, moving into a house you want, having a baby come home for the first time, um, you know, doing something exciting that is gonna feel like stress. And that is because you are growing into it. You are learning to do something you haven't done before. The second reason we love stress is you keep the growth. And this is something that we are not hammering home to kids. That when they have a difficult class, when they get used to dealing with a difficult classmate or a difficult teacher, that is all very stressful, but it is not costly. In fact, they walk away with capacities they did not have before. And this is the piece that we just don't talk about enough. And I'm going to come to the metaphor. I think that's really helpful for that. But the third thing that psychologists like about stress is it makes you tougher. It makes you better able to manage what life throws at you when you deal with difficulties and get through them. So I am saying to kids all of the time, think about school, think about the stress of school. It's just like weightlifting. That when you are lifting weights, you are uncomfortable if you're doing it right. And the upshot of that is you get stronger. When you're doing school correctly, it is difficult and you are grappling. And the upshot of that is that you gain capacity. And I think when we are rushing in to buffer stress, we are doing something that is unrealistic, unhelpful and unnecessary. And we're also sending the strong message of this isn't okay that you are stressed. Whereas if you think about weightlifting, everybody accepts that it's supposed to be uncomfortable. And actually people can almost enjoy the discomfort because they know of the payoff. Mm. And so yeah, like if it wasn't uncomfortable, if you left, and I'm, I'm pardon me, if you left the yeah. gym and you didn't feel uncomfortable, you'd go, well, I didn't go all in today. Like you'd be disappointed in yourself. Exactly. And so yeah. even while weightlifting, people can be like, this is uncomfortable, but I'm getting what I came for. Mm -hmm. And so that then makes, and this is something I've become much more interested in, that then makes the granular experience of exercise way more pleasant than it would otherwise be. If you're like, I'm getting injured, I'm getting damaged, that's bad. And I feel like that messaging is right now not accurate for kids with stress and school. They feel like, okay, I'm not supposed to have stress, so the stress of school is like injuring or damaging me or something like that, which makes it feel bad versus saying, okay, stress is part of life. Stress happens when you grow. The stress of school means I'm getting smarter. That makes the moment-to-moment -moment of school much more, um, I'm going to say, it, enjoyable. Sure. Kids. Yeah. Well, it's about us as parents maybe reframing what that is and yes. uh, not overreacting. I, I, I like to think about, uh, I don't know, this might be goofy. Uh, you have to remember my context is an eight-year-old, right? So I think about when she was <laughs> little 
and she'd you know be outside playing or at the park and she would fall and my yeah. what I always did is I'd just look at her and I'd act like I was a baseball umpire and I'd go safe and because yeah. she's you know like yeah. slid into base and I go all right hop on up and I never found Naomi to like freak out if she fell what I would yep. see though at the park is like some kid falls and mom or dad's like oh my gosh and we run over and pick them all up and and the kid starts freaking out. And so I feel like, I mean, aren't they reading us as their parents? Absolutely. Actually, I use that analogy. I think it's in the intro to Under Pressure that there's a moment, like, first of all, the big umbrella here is our reaction drives everything, right? We can make it way better or way worse. And that our instincts tend to be pretty good when our kids are little and they fall down and scrape their knee, right? And that, and that you know, usually parents do what you're able to do and be like, you're okay, you're okay. Even if we're like, ooh, I don't know, there could mm-hmm. be stitches, you know, mm-hmm. we still know that if we go, oh, and freak out, that our kid's going to freak out. And so, you know, some parents don't have that instinct when kids are little, but most parents do, but lots of parents lose it later in development mm-hmm. when a kid has an emotional upset. Interesting. And so, the kid comes home and is emotionally upset and they still need what we used to do of saying like, I see it. You're going to be okay. Talk mm. to me about it. Come here. We'll, we'll clean it up. Don't worry. Mm. And when the parent is like, you're freaking out and now I'm freaking out. That actually gets the same reaction you would have gotten on the playground, which is it all gets worse. That reminds me, I had KJ Delantonia on and she talked about yeah. something similar where she goes, Look, your kid's stressed out enough. They don't need you freaking out about things, too. They've got enough stuff going on that when you come in and and get crazy, that just actually doesn't help them. It elevates that. And you're saying the exact same thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. The kids look to us for cues about how upset they should be. Mm-hmm. And so another way to think about it, so you said you're 42, right? So yeah. like... You're not right to think like, okay, this feels like an eight-year-old serious problem. Oh my God, my dad's freaking out. It's like a 42-year-old yeah. level serious yeah. problem. Like it feels yeah. even that much scarier. Interesting. Okay, now let's talk about something that's really important, which is really why you wrote the, the, the book that just came out, which is the research is telling you that our girls are more stressed and anxious than they have ever been. And we've got to do something about that. This is an issue. Absolutely. So the data are there to show that um, the rates of girls reporting symptoms of anxiety is going up. Um, We have mixed data on the boys. Some studies show it's going up for boys. Some studies show it's staying stable for boys. Either way, it has long been the case that girls and women report more anxiety than boys and men do. Uh, this has always been true. And a lot of that has to do with the fact of how we socialize the genders. So girls and women are socialized when they're upset to kind of collapse in on themselves, whereas boys and men, when they're upset, they're more likely to act out or get themselves in trouble. Um, But we have seen this on the rise. And part of what's going on for girls is that we keep adding things to their plate, but taking nothing off of their plate. Mm. So there's tremendous opportunities available to girls. But you know, which is cool, right? Like they can be anything, they can go anywhere, you know, the sky's the limit. But we have still not stopped talking about how they're supposed to look and what their bodies are like and the need for them to be pleasant and you know accommodating and make everyone else feel comfortable. So there's all of these sort of old gender demands hanging around as new exciting opportunities become available to girls. And so I think we don't want to deny girls anything and we yeah. don't want to coach girls to do things that are going to bother people or backfire on them. But we do need to help girls in some ways thread this needle of having all this opportunity, but not feeling overwhelmed by it. 
Yeah, and you've you walked through some stuff on that in the book. You've given us a model, a conversation model, basically, as well that we can have with them. I, I do though want to ask you: How do we know the difference between just being stressed and anxious about life and growing up and what you're going through, and when someone needs to reach out to a professional like you and really seek treatment? Um, great question. So this is crystal clear in our field. So like I said. Psychologists are comfortable with stress. We're comfortable with anxiety. There's a line you can cross with both. So with stress, there's two forms that we do not like. We do not like chronic stress where there's no opportunity to recover. So in some ways, it goes right back to weightlifting. Like for weightlifting to work, you work out really hard and then you rest. You work out and you rest. Um, kids and adults need to be able to recover from periods of stress in order for that stress to be growth giving. If you can't recover, it's just going to grind you down. Um, we see chronic stress and poverty. We also see it in conditions of priv privilege where there's just too much available in terms of extracurriculars and classes and things like that. The other kind of stress we don't like is trauma. So overwhelmingly horrible events that blow people's coping out of the water. For anxiety, we really like anxiety. Anxiety is a normal and healthy function. It lets us know when something's wrong. You know, if the meanest kid in the class is walking towards you, a little anxiety is probably the right reaction. Mm -hmm. um, if you haven't studied for a huge test that is 12 hours away, you should feel pretty anxious, right? So there's a lot of utility to anxiety. We don't like anxiety under two conditions. One is when the anxiety the technical terminology is doesn't correspond to a threat. When there's anxiety for no reason, it's just sort of a free-floating experience. That we don't like. And we don't like anxiety that's way out of proportion to a threat. So um, if a kid has a quiz and she studied and she's ready, she should not be having a panic attack over mm -hmm. that quiz. Mm -hmm. Even when stress and anxiety reach unhealthy proportions, we are incredibly good at treating them. We really know what to do as psychologists. This is actually some of the, you know, the disorders we are better at treating than other things. And so my messaging, my aim in writing this book is to get the word out that stress and anxiety are normal and healthy functions, to give parents all sorts of strategies for helping to contain them in their daughter's lives. And then to reassure families that even if it feels like you've crossed the line into the unhealthy levels, you're still okay. We got you. We can treat it. This does not have to feel out of control. That's great. So as we wrap up, what's the take-home message for our dads who've listened today? What's the one thing they absolutely have to know? How invaluable they are, how totally invaluable they are, how much their patient presence, their ability to listen, their neutrality, their non-reactiveness is an incredibly powerful force in the lives of their daughters. That's great. Well, how can people get the book and connect with you if they'd like to? So the book's available everywhere books are sold, and it's called Under Pressure, Confronting the Epidemic of Stress and Anxiety in Girls. And then my website has all of my work for the New York Times and work for CBS News and um, other things I've done. And that address is drlisademore.com, so D R. L-I-S-A-D-A-M-O-U-R.com. Well, you've added so much for us today. I appreciate it. Now, whenever you do interviews in the future, you have to tell them my work for the New York Times, CBS News, and I've been on Positively Dad. Don't forget that part I of it. I will let them know. <laughs> That'd be for great. Sure. <laughs> You're the best. Well, thanks for spending time with us today. We truly appreciate you bet. it. 
Great stuff from Dr. Demore. I trust you got some value out of it. I certainly did. I am going to recommend that you go to her website. It's drlisademore.com, and Demore is D-A-M-O-U-R. And when you go into the section about the book Under Pressure, she has a discussion guide for parents. And you might download that. And it goes chapter by chapter, a very similar conversation to what we had. And it pulls out some stuff for you to think about. And, and to me, it's, you know, first of all, how do we help our girls know the difference between stress and anxiety that's normal and good and helps them and stress and anxiety that doesn't help them? And uh, how do we know when we've got to go out and, and seek some sort of professional help for them? How do we handle what happens in our own house that, that is, you know, just interaction between parents and, and, and children and your daughters? Then, then breaking it down on our conversation with their relationships with their friends at school, whether those are boys or girls. We've got both. She's got both in the book. And then how to handle school and culture. So there's a lot in there, uh, very similar to what we talked about, and a discussion guide you can download. So we're going to put it on our Facebook page. You can download it from there or go straight to her website and get it. All right, let's wrap up the way we wrap up every Positively Dad, and that is a visit to the Kids' Corner. And in the Kids' Corner, Naomi, who's uh, our uh, almost eight-year-old, our little second grader, well, she just talks about whatever it is that she wants to talk about. So it's kind of her little podcast within the podcast. So here we go, the Kids' Corner. Ever wonder what's on the mind of your children? Let's find out in the Kids' Corner with your host, Naomi. Hi, my name is Naomi Shaw, and today I will be talking about... Having too much candy or sugar. So if you have too much candy or sugar, you might have a cavity that that I once had, and it just doesn't feel good. And you might get your tooth pulled if your tooth is rotten if you're having too much sugar. But I did, that didn't happen to me. I only got my tooth pulled because it was a baby's tooth, and it, and it was supposed to come out. You can eat sugar, but in my opinion, you should de- eat that have some sugar after you eat your dinner. And what you should eat first is maybe um, like broccoli or something. And don't forget to wash your teeth after. That's it for Nami's Corner. Have a great day. Bye. Is she not the cutest kid on the planet? I just got to tell you, I love her. I tell her every time it's her best one. And she says, Daddy, you always say that. And I go, well, because everyone was the best one. Hey, I want to thank you for listening today. I trust you got value out of our conversation. And, and if you did, would you share it with somebody who you think should hear this message as well? You know, we are so lucky. We found out recently we are the number 91 parenting podcast in the United States, the number 77 parenting podcast in the UK. And then I learned this past week we're the number 15 parenting podcast in France. Merci. And, uh, and so that's so cool. All of that comes from you sharing it with people from you posting it because we don't we don't pay any money we don't advertise it we don't do anything when you share it on your facebook when you share it on your twitter when you share it with you know to the people you know via email or tag people that's how people find out about us so i want to thank you for doing that and helping spread this mission i also do want to invite you to find us online we're on facebook instagram and twitter at positively dad we're super easy to find and then finally if you or someone you know would be a great guest reach out to me and let me know we would love 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 to have you on A great message today from Dr. Damore. Go out and get her book, and let's help our daughters be confident, bring down that stress a little bit, and know the difference between what kind of stress is good and what kind of stress isn't. Thanks again for listening to Positively Dad. I'm James Shaw. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.